my friends, and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope you guys are having an absolutely awesome morning again, as always, and be sure to check out the product of the week. The Sublingual B12 helps out with neurological health, red blood cell formation, energy, very, very important ingredient with the methylcobalamin, the methylated B12. Sublingual dissolves right under the tongue. Really, really effective product. Be sure to check it out on the website at healthmasters.com. And this morning I was reading through what's going on with the uh, life insurance insurers now and this is very interesting because remember i've told you guys it's been strange over the last year year and a half where so many businesses and so many companies that i know and small businesses are having a hard time keeping help and you know a lot of times people are either being lazy or they're still trying to you know siphon off the government and we've seen a lot of that as well but we've also kind of been wondering what's going on with a lot of the convoluted death rates we keep hearing about and numbers that are coming out and weird stuff that's constantly being manipulated. If you didn't believe so, we saw that in 2020 with what we saw. Pretty much everything was a COVID death, even though a lot of people were dying in car accidents, but they would simply swab their nose post-mortem and say, hey, this is a COVID death in order to get more money. Well, a top epidemiologist now is pretty much predicting that legal action by insurers against COVID vaccine manufacturers due to death risk is something that's going to be coming out on the table later on. Now, whether or not this actually goes through, I don't know. But Yale epidemiologist Harvey Risch cites the explosion of early unexpected mortality claims, largely not COVID related at all. The insurers are struggling to pay following alleged misrepresentations about all cause mortality from clinical vaccine trials. And what they're coming out now here and saying that the numbers that are being put out more and more is huge amounts of life insurance policies are being essentially paid out. Public records show that Lincoln National, very, very large national insurer, reported a 163% increase in death benefits paid out in 2021, first year of the COVID injections, at $1.4 billion in death benefits paid out in 2021. Now, it's interesting if you just rewind back to 2019 pre-pandemic, the total amount they paid out was $500 million. In 2020, also during the pandemic in the height of everything, right, that number only jumped to $548 million. Only jumped $48 million from the year before in 2019. Yet when you go into 2021, it goes from $548 million to $1.4 billion. That is an enormous jump. And so this is what they're starting to say here is there's – there's an issue going on, and everybody's trying to sweep it under the rug. One American CEO, Scott Davison, we talked about this months back at a healthcare conference, said that death rates had risen an unheard of 40% in working age people at insurers compared to pre-pandemic rates. And this is something that I think is going to be constantly trying to be swept under the rug, in my opinion, with the mainstream media. They don't want this information getting out. They're going to do everything they can to censor this information. That's why there's constantly all this theater they put out there with, you know, Pelosi and Taiwan and China and Russia and Ukraine, all these things to keep you distracted. When I told you that back in March, I did not think for one second that the incident that occurred with Russia and Ukraine was just some coincidental random invasion. And he was going in there and Putin was doing this just to go in and take over part of Ukraine. I think it was a coordinated effort. 
to cover a lot of stuff up, including what was going on over there with the research of the bioweapon labs that the United States directly funded, as we saw through the embassy website that they immediately took down after that happened. I mean, we had over a dozen bioweapon labs that we were actively involved in over there with U.S. scientists <laughs> that we were funding in Ukraine, and nobody wanted to bring anything about that up. Once it got brought up, we said, oh, that, that's, that's fake news. We don't, we don't know anything about that. Now we're finding out Rand Paul has basically had their first meeting on gain-of-function research appearing on Fox News to discuss the first-ever Senate hearing on gain-of-function research. Rand Paul revealed that there is essentially a committee that's supposed to oversee this gain-of-function experimentation with these potentially lethal viruses, but it's above the oversight of the Congress. Paul noted that according to scientists who testified on Capitol Hill yesterday, the committee that is supposed to review these viruses is completely secret on what they do. He said, we don't know the names. We don't know when they meet or where they meet. We don't have any records of their meetings. It's top secret. Congress isn't allowed to know anything about it. So whether the committee actually exists, it could be uncertain. We do know that we've got reports that three times there's been meetings on thousands of -of gain-of-function research proposals. That's it. He said three scientists testified during the hearing. Dr. Richard Abright, and there was also a Dr. Stephen Quay, and they went in there and they said that this is extremely dangerous research. Two out of the three scientists that testified said it was 100% gain-of-function research, and the third one said it was such so dangerous that it should have gone before the committee and Congress needed to know about it. And so Senator, Senator Rand Paul added on. He said, when Dr. Fauci said, oh, we've reviewed this and experts have looked at this and it's not gain-of-function, Rand Paul said it's not true. It's blatant gain-of-function. And this has gone back and forth now, and this is what – This is when you know stuff is getting very, very sinister behind the scenes when you start having groups that meet that nobody's allowed to know about. This is the shadow groups that start operating and doing stuff behind the scenes, and you're not allowed to talk about them. You're not allowed to see what they're doing. You're not allowed to even know who they are. This is beyond bizarre to me, and this is very, very, in my opinion, clear-cut evidence showing that there was significant gain-of-function research, and they were working on probably a lot more than just a little Wuhan COVID virus, if that's actually even where it was brewed up from what the narrative we know. But in my opinion, I think there's a whole lot of other stuff going on that they're trying to keep secret. Because quite frankly, when you're dealing with research that can affect the entire planet, but you say there's a committee of three people that we're not allowed to know about and they meet when we don't know, and uh, they're the ones that determine whether or not this stuff's going to be used, that shows you right there that there's some very, very weird things happening. What do you think, Ted? I think they know that if the people found out what really happened, they would be hung. Not yeah. the people, but the people who did this. I mean, I'm just, just I'm going to say that again. They would, they would be, they would be, they would be hanged. They would, they would be hung by the neck until dead. And and so that's that's the problem that they have right now is they know that they've killed millions of people, probably tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions, globally. They understand what they've done. They know it was gain of function. They know that basically it was paid for basically by the United States government through Fort Detrick and through other bio labs and Kenemeth and all the other places in Sierra Leone and all the different places that they did this, even in the Ukraine. They know that. They know that they did it. And then they tried to bum it off. They, they tried to bum it. Then they sent it to China to finally do the final gain of function research after they got busted for it here at Fort Detrick. And then what ended up happening is they've got this bioweapon now that they put AIDS in. And, you know, immune suppressants in, and they know they've developed it and they've killed a bunch of people, and so now they're having to hide it. And every time you have a shadow government, this is what happens. They put things behind the scenes so you don't see it, so you don't understand what happened. 
I'm going to pull another layer of this onion open today and show you some more stuff that I've not talked about before and why in the world they did it and who did it. And of course it always goes back to the same people. You know that, but it is, I'm going to give you another, another layer of the onion. This is an article that was written by Paul Craig Roberts and it's called how America's economy was destroyed. I'm going to read you part of it. In 1945, the United States emerged from a war, a world war with the only intact industrial economy in the world. The British, the Germans, the Europeans, the Soviets, the Japanese economies were all in ruins. China and the rest of the Asia, Africa, and South America had undeveloped economies, later renamed third world economies. And additionally, the U.S. held most of the world's gold reserves. President Franklin D. Roosevelt had used World War II to destroy Britain's control of the international trade and the British pound as the world's reserve of currency. The U.S. forced breakup of the British system of trade preferences and the coerced Bretton Woods Agreement gave those roles to the United States. Four years of war production gave the U.S. a large, disciplined, and skilled workforce, and wartime consumer shortages proved enormous pent-up consumer demand to drive the post-war economy's growth. Jobs were plentiful, and the U.S. real income rose strongly in the 50s and into the 60s. But then things started going wrong. President Johnson's program, remember, he's a hardcore Kabbalist, Luciferian, as far as I'm concerned, Kabbalist. He's a hardcore pervert, unbelievable sick pervert. His program of guns and butter, the Vietnam War, pushing the drugs through Southeast Asia. I'm adding this through the CIA running black ops program and the Great Society welfare spending resulted in a proliferation of U.S. dollars that eventually forced President Nixon to close the gold window and terminate the right of the foreign central banks to redeem their holdings of the U.S. dollars for gold. Additionally, the Keynesian demand management microeconomics policy began breaking down, which means you had to have increasingly larger amounts of debt in order to maintain a 7% inflation rate to allow the economy to expand. High marginal income tax rates resulted in a weaker supply increases to increases High marginal income tax rates resulted in weaker supply increases to increases in aggregate demand. Expansionary monetary policy pushed up consumer demand, but high tax rates curtailed curtailed the supply response, culminating in stagflation of President Carter's administration. That's about as good as I've ever heard that explained. But what happened is, you know, things got even worse when the Soviet collapse happened in 1991. The basically China and India saw the capitalist markets, not socialist planning, was what encouraged economic growth. You know, one study out of Dartmouth by Matthew Slaughter concluded that offshoring American jobs, that is by giving them to foreigners, created twice as many U.S. domestic jobs as jobs for foreigners. Total lie. He did not arrive at this conclusion by consulting the BLS payrolls data or the BLS occupational employment statistics. Instead, he measured the growth of U.S. national multinational employment and fail to take into account the reasons of the increased multinational employment. Okay. And in 2006, Porter, a Harvard professor, used a press conference to hype the benefits of globalism. This is how it all started back about 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And what ended up happening is they kept lying about how our jobs were increasing as they sent jobs across the ocean. And, you know, now we find out that the United States is in trouble because of this Keynesian economic nightmare that's happened. But about around 1965, when I was 10 years old, the Democrats continued to try to protect the working class. But listen to this. But 19, this is this now this is this now this is the Frankfurt School now that's been embedded now into the Democratic Party for the 30 years from 1933 to 1965 through the university systems. And this is the Frankfurt School that has come in now to undermine America by creating social welfare systems that are going to destroy the republic. 
Okay. Until 1965, the Democrats continued to try to protect the working class. But in 1965, the Democrats betrayed America on two fronts. They passed an immigration bill that has flooded America with third world immigrants who are alien to our culture and whose numbers suppress wages. Simultaneously, the Democrats passed the Civil Rights Act that itself did not permit preference to preferred minorities, but was used for that purpose by Alfred E. Bloom Rosen. He's a hardcore communist Jew who's also an attorney, and he was probably also a Kabbalist, but I'm speculating on that. Now, this is again, my, this is me saying this, not Paul Craig Roberts. Alfred Bloom Rosen wrote a book called Slave Nation in which he equated the entire revolutionary war against slavery against England to the fact that the United States wanted to continue to have the slave trade, which is ironic because the slave trade was coming out of England from the Kabbalists. Just thought I'd mention that. Bloom Rosen was a plant as far as I'm concerned and put into a position of prominence. He was a, basically a tenured attorney professor, and he wrote these crazy books on basically pushing communism. And then what he did was absolutely brilliant as far as from a from a destruction of the United States realm. He was the compliance chief of the Equal Education Equal Opportunity or Equal Education Opportunity Commission (EEOC). Bloom Rosen reasoned that he could stand the Civil Rights Act on its head and require prohibited racial quotas because the federal courts traditionally since the 1930s deferred to regulatory authority. In other words, he took the EEOC and he set up rules and regulations that were never voted on, setting up quotas all over the country. In other words, we had to hire so many Hispanics, so many blacks, so many women, so many Chinese, so many Indians, and all the other stuff they did. So, And I'm not saying that some of that wasn't necessary as far as in the beginning so that people wouldn't be discriminated upon. I, I don't have a problem with some of that. But then what they started doing, I'll explain to you what I mean by that. I, I can't just make that statement and not get slammed for it. I got, here's, here's, I'm going to say this. If you have you know, a black person and a white person who basically have the exact same qualifications, the exact same education, the exact same everything, and they're applying for a job with the federal government, I don't have a bit of problems with the federal government hiring the black person back in the 60s because of discrimination. I don't have a problem with that at all. I don't even have a problem with that with huge corporations being regulated. But the problem is that's not what they did. They started taking people, whether they were black or Hispanic or Indian or, or Chinese or whatever, and they stopped taking the best applicant for the position, and they started putting in applicants because they were being forced to or they were going to have huge regulatory fines by the EEOC, which basically became a, an operative part of the government to basically push socialism and communism throughout the United States through a regulation body. That's what the EEOC did. And so what it did, it destroyed the social fabric and it took the top workers and it basically got rid of a lot of them to put other people in that were not trained. And they were, the government forced the countries, the companies to do this. And if they didn't do it, it was basically going to basically destroy the company with fines. And so this is, this is pure government coming in and taking control of industry. This is a type of fascism, but also it's a type of communism. And it was tied together with what happened in the United States through affirmative action. And, you know, when we tried to get rid of that a few years ago and the Supreme Court ruled in its favor again to keep this thing going. And, and, and this is a problem with this now. And, again, I, I just I have a real problem with all of this stuff because it's reverse discrimination. The very thing the white people were accused of doing is now being done to them as far as applications, jobs, schools, getting into graduate school programs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this is all because of this this Alfred W. Rosenblum. And it's crazy when you start looking at it. 
Paul Craig Roberts goes on to say, racial preferences for, or for preferred minorities were developed into the aristocratic rights of an otherwise bygone era. Today in the Western world, preferred people such as blacks are sexual perverts and have special protections that do not extend to the white heterosexual persons. Now, he's saying that in a way that sounds really, really bad to me, but let me put it a different way. Today in the Western world, preferred peoples such as international minorities or people being brought into the United States or people of any different, of any other ethnic background other than white people are basically, and along with sexual perverts and transgenders, have special protections that do not extend to the white heterosexual persons. Now, I, now the, the reason he, – he remember, Paul Craig Roberts is probably 80 years old, and so he's looking at this a little bit different than most people are. He says that basically anybody who basically goes out and says anything is going to end up being called a racist. He says, today in the Western world, the situation is this. The ethnic composition of the Western countries is under fierce attack by the liberal left elements of their own ethnicity. The rights of the ethnic base of the populations are ceasing to exist in the areas of free speech and due process of law. People are fired for using gender pronouns. Now he's saying it very well. Scientists are terminated for challenging a fake explanation. People are coerced into accepting violations of the Nuremberg laws. Whenever a person turns for information, the media lies. This is a hopeless situation for the Western world. As awareness spreads slowly but gradually among ethnic populations of the West, doesn't matter what race you are, and that their governments are against them, the ethnic minorities and majorities begin to realize that they are targeted. Some of the French have realized this, and some, uh, some of the farmers in Holland, Italy. But once the ethnic composition of a country realizes that the government does not represent them but represents their enemies, revolutionary situation develops. Now, what he's saying is that if they keep pushing everybody the way they've been pushing everybody, they're going to have a civil war in the United States, and the government's going to be overthrown. And the problem with this is is the regulatory bodies again. You know, when you have regulatory bodies making laws without the population being involved in it. In other words, you give a committee of power to make a law. We've talked about this from a simple standpoint here in my local city. Suddenly, we have stop signs going up. Nobody ever asks if we want a stop sign here or there. They just put one up. They vote on it. The city commissioners do or the county commissioners or whoever's doing this, and then it goes back into a regulatory body. Now, the police have to enforce the stop sign. So if you run the law, if you run a stop sign because you didn't vote for it and basically it's there, then suddenly you get a ticket. You don't take the ticket. They take your license. You don't pay for the ticket. They basically get a warrant for you. The next time you're stopped, they arrest you and put you in jail, all because of a regulation that you had no part of. You didn't want the stop sign there. You never voted for the stop sign, but you, they used the regulatory bodies like the EEOC to come in and do all of this stuff. And once you understand that this is what they do, and once you understand who they are and you realize how involved they are is from a communist standpoint, it blows your mind. I'm going to go ahead and post the Equal, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. It's basically a federal agency that was established via the Civil Rights Act of 1974, exactly correct, to administer and enforce civil rights laws against workplace discrimination. The EEOC investigates discrimination complaints based on individuals' race, color, national origin, religion, sex, including sexual orientation, pregnancy, and gender identity. Can you believe this? Yes, I'm telling you this is what they do now. This is right from Wikipedia. This is from their page. They also enforce gender discrimination against age, disability, genetic information, and retaliation for reporting, participating in, and or opposing a discriminatory practice. That opens up everybody for everything. 
The commission also mediates and settles thousands of death discrimination complaints each year prior to their investigation. The EEOC is empowered, also empowered to file civil discrimination suits against employers on behalf of alleged victims to adjudicate claims of the discrimination brought against federal agencies. I mean, just, it just goes on and on and on. I'm going to, I'm going to post all of this stuff. And this is Cloward and Piven. This is the Frankfurt School. This is the Kabbalist Luciferian tentacle that's wrapping around the entire globe, particularly the United States now, and saying that if you want to be a transgender and somebody discriminates against you, that basically they're going to be fined. And if they don't want to pay the fine, they're going to be closed. If they want to be closed, they're going to be going to jail. All and on. It goes on and on and on and on. It never ends. And so if you have a Christian organization and you don't want to hire a gay or a transgender or somebody who – you know, wants to wear neo-Nazi insignias on their on their shirts or whatever. Uh, you can be you can get in trouble for discriminating against them. I mean, all of this stuff they regulate. Now, wouldn't it just been easier to let the employers do what the employers want to do? Since you know it's, it's their company to start with, and they started the company in many cases and hire who they want to hire and put the best person in the best position. Don't, aren't we to that point now? But no, these are these, what they're doing is like you know back at, they had this giant. This giant attack like in 1906 New York, and I'm sorry, not New York, Atlanta, in which a bunch of black people were done really wrong. They were beaten and pulled out of cars and all kinds of other stuff. It was awful. It was over 100 years ago, 100, 100, almost 120 years ago. Well, now they're having a National Day of Remembrance in Atlanta for this, and they're basically making a, a big deal of it. They're opening up these wounds, and they're pouring salt in them again. You know, a lot of bad things happen to a lot of people. They really, They really have, but they've found out now especially like with the Holocaust remembering things and all the stuff that they do, that if you keep these wounds open and you keep pouring salt in them, that you can continue to manipulate groupthink as far as certain populations against other populations to continue to control the population of the planet or in a, or a certain you know ethnic group, a certain race, a certain country, a certain people of the country. Uh, you know, I mentioned this yesterday. Look what they've done to Germany now. Germany used to be have fierce nationalism in it over 100 years ago. They had enough of what happened with the Versailles Treaty. They were done. They had, had enough. They had enough of the Weimar Republic. They wanted to have a country that wasn't going to be controlled by the international Kabbalist Luciferian bankers, period. That's what they wanted. And so they had fierce nationalism. And then the, and the communists came into Germany through the Frankfurt School and through what they did, and they basically wanted to overthrow the German government and cause the people to rebel to create communism in Germany. When that happened... What happened is you started having these incredibly filthy cabaret shows in Berlin. It was one of the most decadent cities in the world. Sex with animals on stage, bestiality, all of it. It was sickening what they were doing. Well, it got worse and worse and worse. If you watch the movie Cabaret with Liza Minnelli, which I'm not necessarily recommending that movie. It contains every type of perversion, including homosexuality in it. And it was a huge hit back in the 70s because we were going through the same thing in the United States as far as the destruction of the moral fiber of our country via the Frankfurt School. You watch that movie. They have one decent scene in it which showed the German nationalism when the kids got up and started singing you know, about Germany. And, you know, and it was a very, very touching scene. But they used it against Germany to show how bad nationalism was and how it caused the destruction of Germany. You remember back in the 60s and the 50s, we used to have just – we'd be at a ball game and we'd sing, sing the Star Spangled Banner you know, or we'd sing you know, America the Beautiful. And we would have videos of people just sitting there, you know, just raising their hands and just praising God and be so excited that we were singing a national anthem. And now we have athletes taking a knee 
because they're ashamed of national unity. They're ashamed of the United States of America. We have people talking during the national anthem. We have people ignoring during the national anthem. Just, there's no more national unity. That's what Paul Craig's trying to say. The very fiber of our country has been broken up into little bitty special interest groups. And they've done it on purpose because united we stand, divided we fall. They understand that. They saw it with Germany. They saw it with Russia. They saw it in China. And so what they've done, they've taken the once unified United States of America, which was basically one country under God, you know, one country that basically served the United States. We were nationalists and we served Jesus and we were primarily Christians. And they destroyed it. They broke it up into these different groups. And it was done on purpose, by the way. And so now we have all of these groups fighting for control with regulatory bodies controlling everything, passing all of these crazy laws that nobody wants, but nobody can stop. It, it, it's unbelievable what's happening right now all over Europe, all over Germany, everywhere because of what they've done. But I want to read that article because it's so important that people understand that. And also we need to realize, too, that the Florida Education Commissioner is now coming out right now and saying that the USDA is now trying to hold poor kids hostage with food programs to impose transgender policies. That's because Biden and the gang are all run through the Kabbalist Luciferian groups. And so they're trying to force more and more transgenders. And so now we have a country telling children the only way they can get food is they accept transgenders. I mean, this this is absolutely crazy. Uh, addicted to wokery. This is an article from the Daily Mail. No matter the cost, California Democrats pass a bill to allow more open-air drug sites despite disastrous first attempt in San Francisco that is now set to close. Again, open-air drug sites in California. The bill would allow for state-run, taxpayer-funded drug sites to pop up in Oakland, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. Addicts could bring their own drugs and use clean state-provided needles and other paraphernalia. California Republicans said it's crazy to get people high as a kite and then turn them loose. Fueling the drug epidemic with drug drug dens and needle suppliers is like pouring gasoline on a forest fire. That site – the tenderloin the, the site in San Francisco, the Tenderloin Linkage Center, is set to close later this year after disastrous, disastrous pilot year. The site only reached one every 1,000 addicts in the city and caused lines of people shooting up outside in San Francisco. This is how you destroy a country. And here's another good article from Leo Holman. It says, the culling of humanity is about to accelerate, taking many children and young adults as the doctors and political politicians remain silent as people are murdered continuously by the COVID shots. And it goes on and on. Then he tells they're sanctioning Russia, but Russia is still selling billions of dollars worth of fuel every single day in spite of sanctions. I mean, Russia's economy has gotten stronger because of the sanctions that we applied on Russia, but they knew this would happen. And when we understand who these people are and we start to realize what they believe and how how absolutely obsessed they are with destroying the United States of America – it starts to make more sense. It really does. You start to understand who these people are and why they're so intent as from a Kabbalist Luciferian standpoint to destroy the U.S. You know, here's another really good article. And it's, it's called The Three Eyes of the Police State, Indoctrination, Intimidation, and Intolerance. This is by John Whitehead. It said, every day in communities across the United States, children and adolescents spend the majority of their waking hours in schools that have increasingly come to resemble places of attention more than places of learning. Investigative journalist Annis Fuentes says, this is what it means to go back to school in America today. Instead of making the schools safer, government officials are making them more authoritarian. Instead of raising up a generation of civic-minded citizens with critical thinking skills, 
which they don't want us to have, by the way. Government officials are churning out compliant drones who know little to nothing about the history of their freedoms. And instead of being taught the three R's of education, reading, writing, arithmetic, these people are being – children are being drilled into three eyes of life in the American police state, indoctrination, intimidation, and intolerance. From the moment a child enters one of the nation's 98,000 public schools or socialist indoctrination camps, he learns very quickly a draconian zero-tolerance policy that, that criminalizes childish behavior, overreaching anti-bullying statutes that criminalize speech, school resource officers, police, tasked with disciplining and arresting so-called disorderly students, standardized testing that encompasses and, and emphasizes rote answers over critical thinking. I saw this at Florida State, by the way, back in the 70s already. Politically correct mindsets that teach young people to censor themselves and those around them. And extensive biometric and surveillance systems coupled with arrest uh, to arrest. And extensive biometric and surveillance systems that coupled with the rest acclimate young people to a world in which they have no freedom of thought, speech, or movement. I told you the other day, I spoke to some friends of mine their children were the president, and I started talking to them about what the difference between being a racist and a bigot was and how we didn't need to accept these people for these weird things that they were doing. The kids were like 16 and 18, and they got up and walked away. They couldn't deal with what I was saying. Several weeks later, I went back over to my friend's place. They have a restaurant, and this one 16-year-old daughter was there, and she looked at me like I was – you know, had – the plague or had mange or something was really wrong with me and I looked at her and I said you're still mad at me about what I said I said no I'm okay I'm okay I said no you're not I tell by the way you're looking at me because you've been so indoctrinated into believing the lie you know I was when I was at Florida State I told one of my professors one time I said they would have they had a test that would be a b c d or e or any combinations of any of the above it could be a and b a and c a and e or it could be all of them it could, they were like a, a plethora of dozens of different answers it could be. It was a test of our test-taking ability, of our rote memory, rather than of our uh, knowledge. And I said that to him right in front of the class. I said, this is not a test of our test of, of our knowledge. It's a test of our test-taking ability. I said, this is, this is the whole thing. This, this, it's all on rote. You can't, there's no, you're having rote memory tests here. It's not on any kind of thinking skill. And what ended up happening is, oh, I got fussed out in front of the class for saying that by the professor. But the reality is I was right. The first test, remember, we were all pre-med students. We're all biology majors. We're, we'd already gone through two years of chemistry. We were all pretty smart to even be in this class. And the average score in the test was a 35. Because of the way it was being graded, it was possible to have a negative score. A negative score, guys. You could get a negative 50 on the exam if you answered things incorrectly. A negative. How do you get a negative on anything on, a, on an exam? It was one of the most difficult classes I've ever taken because of the way they graded the papers. So what they did, so the 35 or 40, which was the average score, became the mean, became the average. So it became a, a C, right? So if you got a 30 on the test, you had a C in the class. That's stupid. That has nothing to do with our knowledge. It's a test of our test-taking ability or our rote memory. And this is what they've taught in the school systems over and over and over. It's all about rote memory, and that doesn't allow a child or a person to develop critical thinking skills. They can't think through or think out of the box. Combine that with all of the mercury and all of the aluminum and all of the adjuvants and all of the fluoride that we've pumped into this generation since the 40s with the fluoride starting back after World War II and all the chemicals and the chemical castration that we've done. Heck, it's no wonder the American population has become so insouciant and so servile and so docile and so sterile because of what they've done to us. But yet the population, you try to talk to them about it, they don't listen. Yesterday I was speaking to a friend of mine, 
and he basically has a salvage company and he salvages airplanes. And it was, it was interesting because he told me that one of his pilot friends who basically he knows very well flew Taylor Swift. And he told me that Taylor Swift is one of the meanest, most horrible people that they've ever met or had fly on a plane with them. She said, she's absolutely horrible. And I looked at him. I started laughing. I said, well, you know, a lot of people say she's a tranny. And he didn't have a response. He had no idea what to say. He just looked at me kind of funny and just turned around and walked away. He, he had no idea because they're not trained to think this way. People get caught up in the day-to-day activities of their life. People get caught up in the day-to-day activities of, of, of dealing with their children or their wives or their spouses or their jobs or, or watching the TV or whatever they're doing, and they really don't understand what's going on in the big picture. They have no idea. And the sad part about this is that the population has been trained to not see the big picture. They've been trained not to have reasoning skills or critical thinking because it's like George Carlin said. They don't want you to have critical thinking. They want you to be just smart enough to run the machines and shut up and comply and not wonder why all your neighbors are stroking out, not wonder why all your neighbors are having seizures, not wonder why so many people are dying around you, not wondering why you can't hire anybody, not wondering why there's 65 million people addicted to opiates in the United States, not wondering why – the population in general has become so dumb and so dumbed down how they don't want to hear the truth. They don't want you thinking about any of that stuff. They sure don't want you thinking about physics and the earth and the planet and, and you know, and, and, and scalar frequencies and the blood of Jesus and who we are in Christ. They don't want you thinking about any of that stuff. They just want you to shut up, do your job, and struggle. That's all they care about. Make sure you struggle. Make sure that you have nothing. That you have. Remember what Klaus Schwab said: by 2030, you'll be, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Oh my gosh! They need to take all of those guys and put them on Madagascar. There's about 200,000 of them, and just not let them leave the island. All these Kabbalist Luciferians and let them kill each other over there because that's what they would do. But they wouldn't even put up with their own nonsense if they had to deal with each other. <laughs> what do you think, Austin? What's your next story? <laughs> You're right. They, they, well, and I personally think, I mean, the way you see a lot of this, that's why you constantly see certain conflicts on the higher end of the, well, these individuals that basically run a lot of stuff. I think there's a lot of conflict in this realm because they are constantly are always trying to fight for this overwhelming power. And that's why sometimes they come together in like the World Economic Forum. They say, okay, well, now, you know, we're going to work together to try to dominate the entire globe together and they're, they're a bunch of sickos and it's interesting you know you made the comment earlier about how they're continually training the younger children and I, I was reading the same article you had talked about and how it just pretty much goes into detail and how these young kids are being told they have zero tolerance in school they were told you have to wear a mask and i said this from the very very beginning hence why i was so adamant about stopping this mass theater in the schools because in my opinion, from the very beginning, the entire thing about the mask in the schools was, again, it was another key instrument in the communist takeover of the young children in the public school system. It was, again, to design and train them to not ask any questions. Why am I being told to wear a mask? It's a mandate. I didn't ask you about a mandate that's unlawful. I said, why are we being told to wear a mask? What benefit? It stops the spread of COVID. Could you please show me some scientific literature on that? Because there is zero documentation. We have seen it all. In fact, there's about 25 articles right here that you can look back, going all the way from N95 mask, not stopping the transmission of the flu, and a plethora of other research. What brought up in the school board? And then they finally overturned it after an entire year of that theater going on. After a year year of that theater going on in the public school system in Florida. And a lot of other states were much worse than that. 
when their kids being sitting at attention, being suspended, being suspended. They refuse to wear a mask after a year of this. And they're like, dude, this is stupid. This is why it's so important that you teach your children to have critical thinking. It's okay to ask questions. I, I always, I encourage my children. If I tell them to do something, I say, hey, you need to do this. And they go, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Well, why am I doing this, Dad? Oh, that's a very fantastic question. I'm glad you asked. Let me explain it to you now. I'm very, very open and supportive of that. Question things. Teach your children it's okay to question the narrative because that's exactly right. The reason we've gotten this situation primarily is because too many people have failed to question it. Too many people have failed to stand up and say, no, I don't. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't go by that. I did not agree with that. I did not consent to that. I'm not going along with it, nor am I going to comply with it. And we saw this during COVID as it just extrapolated to a whole other level of tyranny when people were being forced to shut down their businesses. And there were a lot of guys that pushed back a lot, a lot, especially in other states. You know, Florida, we didn't really have to do as much down here. There was some pretty gnarly stuff out in Tampa with some of the cops trying to shut stuff down and all that stuff got overturned. The attorney general was like, no, you can't start arresting people for not shutting down their business when they've broken no law. And same thing with the stop sign. There's no, didn't vote on that. There was no, we didn't get a public hearing on the stop sign. All of a sudden going around the corner one day, there's a stop sign, bam, right in the residential area for no reason at all. Okay. Well, who, who voted on that? Not me. I mean, I don't know who's paying the property tax right here on the corner, but I'm pretty sure they didn't vote on it either. These are the things that continue to occur on a regular basis and why it is so important you do the best you can to address them. And what they're doing now on another level is they're trying to go out and they're trying to essentially paint a picture and demonize anybody that brings up anything or says anything that doesn't go along with the narrative. You guys saw this. My buddy Jeff, who's a retired ranger, he sent it to me earlier this week, and I was reading more on it, an internal FBI document was now leaked, basically, and published by the undercover journalist organization Project Veritas, which it said it obtained from a document from a whistleblower in the FBI. The document is labeled unclassified law enforcement sensitive and contains the FBI internal use only disclaimer on it. The document states that pretty much any patriot American symbols are used by anti-government, anti-authority, violent extremists, specifically militia, violent extremists. All the way down from the Second Amendment quote, to Punisher skulls, to electrical resistance symbol, to warrior culture, to Molin Labe, to a black or white or all-black American flag, to the Betsy Ross flag, to any Boogaloo statement or Hawaiian shirt pattern. You can't even make this stuff up. The Don't Tread on Me flag. And then they went on to say, here, this, this is the part that really, really just got me on this. Because remember, guys, this wasn't supposed to be public. This was internal FBI memo only for law enforcement. They're blatantly saying here, anybody that has these stickers, has this flag, has this shirt, has this support, has this statement, anything like this, these guys are essentially, they're potentially violent militia extremists, and they need to be handled as such. And one of them was on there was reference to basically Ashley Babbitt. Yeah, the the Air Force female that was shot and killed by Capitol Police while she was unarmed walking through the Capitol. Yeah, if you refer to her now, essentially you are a militia extremist violent offender. And then the one that I really got was, he went on to say here, you guys are going to kick out of this. I'm going to pull this next page up. 
because you guys already know where this is going to go with me because I bring it up all the time and I will not stop bringing it up. It said significant events that militia violent extremists reference to. You want to know what the two of them are? You guys, you guys are going to laugh. Ruby Ridge and Waco. They list this in the document on the FBI internal memo that these are the two main events that violent militia extremists reference to. The Ruby Ridge, where Randy Weaver's wife had her head blown off with a 308 from the FBI while she was holding her six-month-old child and his 14-year-old son was shot and killed. And the Waco Massacre, where 76 women and children were burned alive and butchered because their guy that they were staying there with allegedly had a firearm that the FBI and ATF wanted to seize. Completely and totally unjustified. Oh, yeah. So if you bring those two incidences up now, you essentially are referencing violent militia extremist propaganda. Guys, this is a real problem if nobody's picking up on this right now. What they're doing is they're trying to rewrite history. They're trying to now say if you bring anything up that we don't like or anything bad that we did or you talk about anything that we got caught doing, uh, you pretty much are a violent extremist militia member and you need to be dealt with accordingly. I mean, all the way from patches to flags and people that they basically reference to as individuals who are martyrs by militia violent extremists that they consider to be martyrs. Wiki, Vicky Reaver, which reference to Lavoy Finkham, Duncan Lint, Ashley Babbitt, this goes on. And I'm sitting there going, really? Is this how far we've come to the United States now? We now have pretty much the most corrupt alphabet agency in the history of the United States, which is pretty much right up there now in line with the Gestapo, the SS of Germany, as far as how the FBI is now acting. Now saying that if you reference this, if you wear a shirt, if you wear a flag, if you wear a patch, if you make a statement, if you reference historical massacres by the U.S. government, if you do any of those, you are essentially classified as a militia violent extremist. Everybody, I think, gets the picture on where this is starting to go now. And the fact that this was internal, and this is what they're handing out to their FBI field reps, basically to reference and use as a field guide, should be very telling to everybody where this is starting to go. Right at the same time, you're seeing Congress absolutely bent. Now we're going to see what the Senate does with this thing, trying to basically tell everybody, you don't have a right to defend yourself. You don't have a right to a semi-automatic weapon. You don't deserve to be able to do any of this. Now, they said that too, but in this memo, any reference to the Second Amendment, any reference to the Second Amendment in this FBI memo is basically makes you a potential militia violent extremist. Wow. I, I really don't know what to say on that, but I thought I'd kind of throw that out there today, let you guys read on some of this. I should have the documents. I'm trying to get all of them and get them on the website so you guys can look at this. But when you start seeing stuff like this, guys, you know there's desperation in the air. This reeks of desperation. This is the FBI trying to justify their own existence by classifying anybody that does not go along with their unbelievably tyrannical propaganda, essentially an enemy combatant. That's what this is right now. And the fact that this is leaked and this is out there from Project Veritas, which they get some great stuff. They get some great footage. And uh, I'm... Those guys are great over there. And, of course, you know, the FBI, I'm sure, is not too happy about this with them. But, again, my friends, understand what's happening and going on behind the scenes. You can't always keep your head in the sand. I like to be positive. I try to stay very positive about stuff. I try to be very active. But, again, you also have to address what things are. Like Jim Rohn used to always say, 
you can say a garden of weeds can be a really nice garden of flowers eventually, but if it's a garden of weeds, you got to call it a garden of weeds right now. It's got the potential to be something great. You can fix it. You can go there and you do this, but you can't call a garden of weeds a beautiful bed of roses when it's simply just a garden of weeds. you got to call it for what it is and address it and then do what you need to do to fix the situation to make it better, and that's what we're trying to do the best we can right now. The issue we're finding is it is definitely with this administration, there is no doubt about it. This is definitely one of the most tyrannical groups we've ever seen in this country, and we've been clearly being attempted to take over by a communist infiltration from what we're seeing right now. So, again, be aware, be vigilant, continue to be involved, especially in this midterm election, guys. I've been working so much stuff and talking to people around here and trying to make sure we have the integrity of this election as best as possible. I know I get emails sometimes, people go, oh, well, it's, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. It may not matter, but I'm going to sure do the best I can. <laughs> I'm not going to sit on the couch and complain about it if I'm not going to do something about it and try to get actively involved. And I encourage all of you guys to do the same right now because I can guarantee you 100% they are going to try to do some really, really shady hanky-panky this fall and this midterm, especially with this nonsense you keep hearing about this rhetoric. Oh, COVID's back, and now we've got monkeypox and all this other just BS, constant rhetoric, propaganda online. They're going to do everything they can to try to prevent people from being able to go to the poll or go, go basically cast their ballot and try to mail in votes again. I really fully believe that. I had somebody tell me the other day they hadn't applied for any mail-in ballots or anything. They've always voted in person. They got this mail-in ballot application in the mail the other day, and he's like, dude, I didn't, I didn't order this. I didn't request this. Why are you sending me a mail-in ballot? Well, Ken, if you can send them out there enough, if you can get enough ballots, just like they did in the 2020 election, you can go in and start having this ballot harvesting done with these mules. Be very aware and do the best you can to expose stuff that's going on and be active. What do you think, Dan? I think that we're doing the best we can on this show and because people support health masters. I mean – I, I can't be any more, you know, the, the problem when you start discussing this stuff like that article from Paul Craig Roberts, he makes certain comments that I don't agree with. Remember that I don't agree with everything Paul Craig Roberts says. I don't agree with most people's everything. I just don't do that. I agree with the Bible. I agree with that. I agree with what Jesus said. Yeah, we, but we've got to address these issues. I mean, as, as delicate as they are and has, as, as, as politically incorrect as it is, we've got to address the issues. Let me give you an example. We had a lot of Germans in concentration camps doing a lot of bad things. Okay, They weren't my relatives. I didn't know who they were. I wasn't even born then. But I can't pretend like that didn't happen. Now, can I question how many people were killed in concentration camps? Yes. I've talked to my mom about it. She knew nothing about it that was going on. I talked to my grandfather about it. He knew nothing about what was going on. I mean, these, these people were there, and they knew nothing that was going on. And probably 99% of the German population was just trying to survive and get food at the end of the war. And my question is this. If Steven Spielberg said when he received the Oscar for Schindler's List, which he did say this, I heard him, that the movie was basically a tribute and dedicated to the 4.5 million Jews who were still alive in concentration camps at the end of the war. Okay. Why weren't they all killed? If that was the whole point was genocide. Why weren't all 4.5 million Jews killed? I don't understand how in the world, if this whole thing that Nazi Germany was killing everybody they could find who was Jewish, how they allowed 4.5 million to stay alive, why didn't they just turn the water off to the concentration camps a couple of weeks before the end of the war and just stand guard at the gates and everybody would have died? They didn't do that. But I'm not allowed to ask that question in Germany. I'm probably not really allowed to ask that question right now. So 
I have to accept the fact that you know, German people did some bad things. I've got to also, if you're if you're Russian, you've got to accept the fact that the Russian people did some bad things. If you're basically English or British or, or American or whatever you want to call it, Chinese, everybody does bad things. The problem we run into is when we're not allowed to talk about it and not allowed to bring it up. And we're not allowed to express our opinion. Now, our First Amendment rights are taken away. Please listen to me on this. This is important. Because if I can't bring stuff up and ask questions about certain things, that's tyranny. I mean, that, that means we're living under a boot of fascism or of communism or of tyranny. If the EEOC can come in and tell a corporation how many people they have to hire, you know, based on all these different preferences, including sexual deviation now, and if you don't hire X amount of transgenders, well, doesn't it make sense that more transgenders are going to be pretending like they're transgenders so they can get hired by certain companies to make more money? Just thought I'd mention that. I mean, why would they not do that? Because they, because they know the company knows if, if they put themselves down as a transgender and they don't hire X amount of them, the EEOC is going to come in and regulate them. This is the problem that you run into when you start doing all this stuff. It's like a bottomless pit. Years ago, we had the kids in a, in a private school here in Lakeland. or in a, in a, It was actually Winter Haven. And they started putting up, you know, happy holidays, you know, for Christmas. Instead of Merry Christmas, it was happy holidays. And I spoke to the headmaster there, and I said, look, here's the deal, bud. I said, this is supposed to be a Christian school. And he goes, well, we accept all kids from all religions. And I said, well, how many kids do you have that aren't Christian? He said, well, we have, like, you know, one Jewish guy and one Muslim guy or whatever it was, something like that. I said, okay, so you have one Jew and one Muslim. I said, do you think that if you went to a Jewish school and you were the only Christian there – that you could tell the people at the Jewish school that they can't put up Happy Hanukkah or Merry Hanukkah or whatever they say for Hanukkah. He said, well, that's not the point. He goes, we want to be all things to all people. And I said, let me put it to you this way, bud. I said, we're supposed to be a Christian school. We're supposed to say Merry Christmas. But you don't want to say it because it's politically incorrect because you're wanting to be woke. And I said, here's the problem with all that. I said, if you put up a Happy Holiday sign again next year, this will be my last year that I'll have the kids in school. I won't bring them here again because to me it's ludicrous that you're doing this. And he goes, and I said, your slippery slope means you're accepting every person from every nation, from every religion. I said, what about Satanism? He goes, what do you mean? I said, what about Satanists? How about a Satanist want to come to the Christian school and not have Satanist meetings here? Well, that's an extreme. I said, no, it's not. I said, no, it's not. I said, if, if you believe that every person should have an equal right to say whatever they want to say here at the school and we're going here because we're Christians, I said, that's, that's ridiculous, bud. And so the next year he put up happy holidays again. Didn't, I mean, again, I did exactly what I told him I was to do. I pulled the kids out. And people need to understand that. By the way, a few more articles. The Basically, it's the thing that the United Nations and the World Economic Forum are behind global war on farmers. I thought you guys would like that. Stephen King is going to bat for the U.S. government in case against book publishing giant merger. I believe it's Penguin and another big one uh, are going together now, basically forming one giant book publisher. And the sad part about that is they get to, again, regulate free speech, don't they, by who they choose to publish. Just thought I'd mention that. Amazon has also cut 100,000 employees from its workforce in a single quarter because of automation. Not because their sales are down, because of automation. The computers are taking over and the people are getting fired. And uh, the UN World Economic Forum, again, farmers, I've already mentioned that one. Uh, young male mass shooters have deeply spiritual problems, Fox News contributor Bill Bennett said. He's absolutely right. Deeply spiritual problems. Of course, a lot of these young shooters have been wound up to basically the CIA and are put on drugs. You notice we never get to talk to the young the, the shooters that don't kill themselves or aren't killed by the personnel that come in to get them and take them down. We don't get to talk to them. They, they never have an interview with the media. Have, have any of you ever noticed that? You know why? Because they're afraid of what they're going to say because they don't get they don't have them on the right cocktail of drugs. Perfect example, Joe Biden. They all make all kinds of gas. They say all kinds of other crazy stuff. 
I mean, Joe Biden is still testing positive for the coronavirus right now. What are they having to reboot his brain back up again? What are they having to do? Tune him up a little bit? And I don't know. By the way, Laura Logan has says they're now giving Social Security numbers to illegal aliens at the U.S. border. That's really special. And Fauci has said he is complaining that Americans will not adhere to authorities. <laughs> oh, Fauci is complaining that Americans will not adhere to authorities. Imagine that, you blithering idiot. You've been put there basically to lord it over us like you're some kind of king. Guess what? We don't accept you, you weirdo. Gosh, guys. By the way, I've had the opportunity to pray for you again this morning, which is always one of the – it actually is the highlight of my day when I pray in the morning with my wife, my wonderful wife, Sharon. I love you guys. I really, really appreciate you. I thank you for your continued support. And thanks for tuning in because this is the kind of news you're not going to get anywhere else that I can find. I appreciate you so much. Austin, finish it up, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. We, we do the best we possibly can to bring you just updated stuff and stuff that a lot of people don't ever talk about. I mean, he's exactly right about that because most places they're scared to talk about some of these topics. And, uh, you know, for good reason a lot of times. They don't want to get the blowback. I mean, some people don't want to deal with conflict. And on top of that, a lot of times, you know, I've said this before, sponsors and ads and a lot of these companies, they will not under any circumstances allow you to talk about this stuff if they're giving you ad revenue. They put a muzzle on you. Okay, these are these are the topics you're not allowed to bring up. Everything else you can talk about. You can talk about Kim Kardashian and all the other drama you want, but you don't talk about these topics, period. Well, there's a reason why. Because they don't want people talking about anything that's actually relevant that's going on. I mean, the new Zogby survey, I just saw this earlier today, Children's Health Defense Put it out there, the new Zogby survey found that 15% of American adult respondents in the survey said they were diagnosed with a new medical condition after taking one or more doses of the COVID injection. Yeah, this is Children's Health Defense. They did basically this big survey, and uh, they found that 67% of the respondents received one or more of the COVID shot, while 33% were unvaccinated. Furthermore, among those vaccinated, 6% received one dose, 28% received two doses, 21% three, and then 12% for four. Of those receiving the COVID-19 shot, 15% said they've been diagnosed by a medical practitioner with a new condition within a matter of weeks to several months after taking the injection. Hmm. Imagine that. That's like I told you before. So there's a lot of people that, I mean, it's not like you're going to get the shot and keel over and die all the time. There's a lot of people I know that have been moderately fine. I know a lot of people that have gotten it and all of a sudden they start having little, little problems, little stuff here, little stuff there. Well, here's the problem, guys. If each one of these shots keep causing little problems here and little problems there, and you keep getting the shot every year, every year, every year. What do you think is going to start happening two, three, four, five years? People are going to start getting unbelievably sick. Just something to think about. Also, too, another news, DeSantis is calling it out again. For some odd reason, people get so mad when he brings up facts. He's now saying that doctors that are involved in gender reassignment surgery and puberty blockers and all these other things and gender-affirming care – he says the public needs to be open and aware that they should be able to have the right to pursue legal action against them. He's talking about how these groups now are talking about giving girls double mastectomies and castrating young boys. He goes, this is wrong on every level. People need to be aware that they can pursue legal action against these doctors. This is gender mutilation. This is experimental surgery. This is complete and total perversion so far. That's my quote on that. <laughs> it's not okay, guys. And it's not wrong to talk about this and bring it up because people need to be talking about this. Too long now have people been quiet about what's been happening to these young children. And, I mean, the very fact that you have these groups now 
that you have these school boards, that you have these fringe groups that are absolutely bent on trying to promote perversion and that suddenly nobody's allowed to say anything to them about anything. They can't bring it up. Guys, they're trying to go and change these children permanently. These, most of these kids have gender dysphoria at all. And most of it, I'm going to say this for the record, majority of the gender dysphoria cases you see right now, which is a classified as a mental disorder, majority of them right now are because they are induced by the public school system and all the nonsense that you're seeing in the media and on social media and on cartoons and Disney. Guaranteed, because quite frankly, there wasn't some epidemic of gender dysphoria 20, 30 years ago. You had very few amount of kids, girl, tomboy, just run around with all boys. Maybe a boy played with dolls. 95% of the time, they grew out of it just fine without any issues at all. It's called growing up and finding out who you are as a child. But when you start having these schools now, three, four, five years old, teaching this as like the primary topic to learn about in kindergarten, what do you think is going to happen to these kids, guys? Wake up and please continue to get the truth out there. I appreciate your support. Healthmasters.com. If you guys need anything at all, give us a call. The Sublingual B12 on sale for product of the week. And we're also doing a big August sale on the N-acetylcysteine. I know a lot of people around here have been getting respiratory problems. Whether it's COVID or not, I don't know. Don't care. Everybody's been recovering from it just fine with proper supplementation. But the N-acetylcysteine is very, very good for overall lung health. It has been used very effectively the last two years. So I'm going to throw that on sale right now. A lot of people have been picking it up locally. but put it on the front page of the website and do a promo on it for everybody. N-acetylcysteine. Healthmasters.com, my friends. Have a blessed, safe, awesome night. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow as always.